this last summer, we had the Jared Richardson uh, through Urshan College doing an internship here at the Lighthouse. It's part of their schooling. But it was exciting to have an intern that was from here. And uh, he did so much for, for us over the summer and uh, did a lot. But it was a little over four years ago and around August of 2015 that Jared came from Madagascar and, and uh, you came and you were a teenager. Um, I, I, to this day, do not understand how, Brother and Sister Richardson, you did it. Um, Sister Richardson came back with him and in two weeks she had to teach Jared how to drive. She had to teach Jared how to do a checkbook, had to teach Jared how to get a job and live on his own. And he, it, it was, uh, and then she leaves and he promptly spins out on the highway and, you know, it was, it was crazy. But that was four years ago. And Jared, for the last four years, I've watched you grow. I've watched you mature. He's one of the hardest workers, one of the most consistent workers, one of the most punctual and passionate workers you'll ever meet in your life. And we wanted him to preach as part of his internship, but when I realized that if we would wait a little bit, his mom and dad would be able to hear him, we chose to wait till tonight for Jared to come and preach the Word of God to us. And I want you to come, Brother Jared. I want you to preach the Word. I want you to preach it without fear and without favor in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, everybody. See, I came to this with three worries. See, the Cardinals game was going on. So I was worried, one, that the Cardinals game would be a close game and it would be extra innings and no one would be here. They'll be listening to the Cardinals game. Or we would, people would be worshiping because we would win, be winning. And so then I wouldn't be able to preach because people would be running the aisles and all that. Or we'd be losing, so no one wants to listen. So it's like, those are my three worries. So hopefully, I'm glad at least there's a lot of people here, so at least the first worry is gone. And no one ran the aisle, so the second worry is gone. So let's hope no one's too down or depressed so that the third worry does not come out. But this sermon was actually one of my first sermons I ever wrote down. It was a long time ago. I didn't write down the sermon, but I was like 12 years old, and I had a little notebook. And I wrote down this sermon as an idea. I heard it from someone preaching it. And so, but I never really got to it. It was collected dust. But when pastor asked me to preach, which I, I'm very honored to be able to be up here and do. I'm used to being downstairs with kids doing action songs on Wednesday. So it's a bit different up here. No action songs, no little, little silly stuff. But um, this sermon came to mind. And that it never really came to my mind, but then God started giving me ideas about it. So I've been, it's been festering in my mind. So it's, it's really is touches my heart and it's something I guide my life with. But you can maybe seated. I won't be starting with a scripture. I'm gonna be sharing a I thought with you to lay the foundation. See, many of you here are, can drive a car. There's a few young people that don't, but for the most part of you guys drive. And with driving comes directions destinations, roads, traffic, crazy drivers, etc., etc. Especially in St. Louis. The drivers in St. Louis are crazy. One thing that can use, be used to navigate all the hazards and roads and dangers is a little device called a GPS. 
back in the day it used to be these big blocks you have to put on your consoles now it's on your phones and even on your watch like it's crazy how advanced it gets but and then some of you I know of a person that does not use GPS's they would rather go by the fly by the seat of their pants and just go where the wind takes them but generally you would want to use a GPS some people use a GPS for the actual directions or some people use it to get the estimate of the time so they know what time they might actually get there um, others may use a GPS for going to a new place they don't know where it is they don't want to make a wrong turn even if they may know the general area usually you would normally want to use GPS if you get good at using GPS it gets updated constantly telling you of traffic jams or stuff like that so it helps you navigate through what could be traffic what could be accidents down the road even if you get an advanced GPS it may tell you where cops are so you know where to slow down if you're one of those speeder types and you know not to get a ticket see a GPS has multi different uses and it protects you from danger now if you ever have driven with a GPS and maybe been distracted talking with a friend listening to something on the radio jamming to music you may find that have you ever missed your exit has anyone ever missed an exit is it just me okay we got a few people and if you're not an unsafe driver I've seen it happen in St. Louis that's why I got to put the disclaimer I noticed people almost missing the exit so they're in the far fast lane they cross five lanes of traffic cross the two meet double white lines to make their exit so they aren't late but if you're a safe driver generally what happens is you have to go to the next exit turn around or go a long way and it's just it makes your ideal time of arriving to your destination is no longer there you're supposed to get there at 4 now you're there at 410 415 or you get stuck in traffic because it was trying to navigate you around traffic one time that happened I got stuck in an hour traffic jam because four lanes of traffic and uh, four lanes were closed in a five-lane highway with three highways merging into it so it was just big traffic jam last an hour I was late for work but they weren't mad at me I hope it might have been a little bit I don't know but and so generally you would want to listen to your GPS if you have it why not if it tells you to turn right here you're not going to turn left that doesn't make sense same thing you follow the instructions if you guys know what IKEA is it gets this box and there you assemble this wonderful desk generally you would, should follow the instructions some people are rule breakers like oh, I know how to build a desk and then you at the end you have this bag of parts that you don't realize what they're for it's like well let's hope it doesn't fall apart I did that once by accident. I didn't follow the instructions, and I found a bunch of screws. Like, uh, what's what's the thing? Widgets. The things that goes in the gaskets. Gaskets. There we go. Found the word. Gaskets. And um, and then I realized, well, it shakes a little bit. That's probably because, but I didn't want to take it apart, so uh, I was lazy. So I just, it, it's it's um, character, character. It's character for my desk. Or if you're working a job, I work in a food business, so this is more for me, but it could be for you. Some people work in factories and stuff like that. You have to follow the instructions. You have to start with step one to get to step 12. I make pizzas. It would make zero sense for me to put the, the sauce and the cheese and then put the pizza on top of it. The pizza, like, that doesn't work. So you have 
burnt sauce and cheese and then pizza with no sauce and cheese. It's just, that, that's not how a pizza's made. You start with the crust, you put the sauce, put the cheese, put the toppings. That's how you have to follow instructions, how much toppings to put so that you don't run out. I, that's, I work in the Little Caesar, so we have very specific because we don't do much on our pizzas, unfortunately. Cheapo, $5, hot and ready, there we go. But I also know some people who work at GM or at factories, and if you missed one part in the truck, even if it's small, it could make the entire truck fall apart later down the road, and that would be bad. Or you think of a great clock, how it has all these different cogs and little workings and widgets and all of that. If one piece is missing, it won't be working. You have to follow your instructions. So we have a spiritual GPS. And your spiritual GPS is, the GPS stands for it's God's positioning system. God has a design and guidance in your life. And if you follow it, you tend to have good stuff happen. There will be storms, there always are. There's always going to be a rainstorm. There's always going to be something that God cannot completely steer you clear from because that is life. But I have found when I went against God's direction, there, when God's trying to guide you from accidents and guide you from stuff, you don't listen and you have to pick up where all the broken pieces. So the first scripture I would read is Isaiah 30, 21. And you he ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, follow the way. In Isaiah 58, 11, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desires, a desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be liked a, like water garden like a spring of water whose waters do not fail or in Psalms 24 verses 4 to 5 he who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false it is not swear deceitfully he will receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation or lastly Psalms 25 9 through 10 he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. You see, God has a plan, a guide in your lives. Generally, he has a really good plan. Your outcome of your life, if you follow God, you will look back and it was a good life. It might not be flamboyant. You may not have 20 cars, mansions, and all that, but you have a good life. But imagine if you had a GPS in real life that could tell you of every accident, every storm, if you knew it would spin out right up there. Trust me, I spun out before. If I had a GPS tell me where I would spin out, I wouldn't be there. If there isn't a place that this car is gonna hit you here, and it told me where it was, I would not go that direction. So that is God's GPS. He knows of everything that will happen in your life. He knows it all. He does his best to guide you through every storm, every situation, to the point that even if you're in a storm, it tends not to be as bad as it could have been. The damage could have been a whole lot worse. You may come out on the other end a bit dented, 
a bit bruised, a bit scratched, but you're not destroyed. But as soon as you stray from God's path and God's plan, you may find yourself totaled. You may find yourself damaged beyond your capability of repairing. And God can put you back together, but you will never be the same as you once was. You won't be the hot rod car that you were. You may now be a Volkswagen, or my, my mom had an old car that was her favorite. That was ugly, I don't know, ugly old car. And that, and that is the purpose of God's guidance in life. You see, we're gonna be going through four examples of the Bible, of people it's worse. Normally, if you have bad news and good news, you want to start with the bad news, so you get over that, and you end with good news, so you feel better in the end. So we're going to start with the worst end, the negative end spectrum. So it would be going through a spectrum, the worst to the greatest, if you have visual picture in your mind. So the worst possible person to follow in the Bible as example is Saul. At least you, if you want to have the example of what not to do, you can follow that. But you do not want to be like King Saul. And Saul, we're going to be reading from first, from First uh, Samuel chapter thirteen. I'll be summarizing it, so uh, but you can follow along in the story. So in this time, Saul was appointed king, and one year after he became king, he and he been he was appointed king and he reigned for a year, about two years. Saul had to fight an army. It was the Philistines. They had a huge army and he had a small army. So they went to Gilgal. And Saul was, had his army, and the Philistines were a lot more, and he was sort of scared, but he trusted God. Before every battle, they tend to do a sacrifice. That's what they did. They wanted to honor the battle. They, they wanted God to bless the battle, so they did a sacrifice. And the prophet would do it, and this time it was Samuel, prophet Samuel. So there was a point in time that Samuel was supposed to be there. Who's ever been impatient? There was some, someone was supposed to be there. Well, this, so this happened to Saul. Samuel was supposed to be there, and he wasn't. He was not there on the appointed time. And then people started getting anxious. They're like, oh no, Samuel's not going to come. God's not going to bless our battle. We're going to die because the Philistines have tens of thousands. We have 3,000. Like, we're not going to win this battle if we don't have God. So people started fleeing. Like, just slowly, they started going off. Like, you would notice you've had 3,000, now 2,000. Like, so Saul was getting worried. Okay, I can't wait for Samuel. So he asked them to bring the sacrifice to me, and I will do the sacrifice. And Samuel said, I'm the king. I can do the sacrifice, right? So, but as soon as he was finished with the sacrifice, Samuel showed up. Of course, that's always how it works. Whenever you make a mistake, there's always someone right there to catch you in it. That's how, that's how the devil does it. And so, but, and so there Samuel finally arrives and he smelt the offering, obviously. And he's like, Saul, what have you done? This is um, verse number 11, if you're following. And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, 
with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. See, Saul was anointed. He was anointed by God to be king. That anointed also held the fact that the entire lineage of kings was supposed to go through Saul. Even Jesus was supposed to be through Saul. But as soon as he made this one fatal flaw, it, the anointing left him and was transferred to King David. And now David has books written about him. And now David has all of his great fame and Jesus comes from the lineage of David that was once supposed to be Saul because but since Saul did not listen to God's guidance did not listen to the commands and what God has set out for him he future his future was forever eternally changed and would never be the same again but this was not the first mistake that Saul made he made a lot of others and another mistake he made was in Samuel 15 and Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted that Amalek did to Israel in opposing them. On their way they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, children and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey so then Samuel went out and defeated the Amalekites and but he saved the king and all the best sheep and all the best lambs all the spotlight and because for the wealth and he kept some treasures and he did not follow the command of the Lord because he was supposed to wipe out everything so when then the Lord the word of the Lord came to Samuel this is verse um, 10 I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry. He cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he sat up a monument for himself and turned past on and went down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for I, for the people spared the best sheep and of the, and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And, he, and Saul said to Samuel, Speak. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, you are not the head of the tribes of Israel. Are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed.
Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what is evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have, the, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on a mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took the spoiled sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to the sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Notice that key change. It wasn't Sam Saul's God. It was Samuel's God. Has, and then Samuel replied, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, to listen than the fat of rams, for rebelling is sin of divination, and presumption is iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have just transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I have feared these people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin. I will return and return with me, that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul, king over Israel, Saul seized his skirt of his robe and tore it. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day. And has given it to the neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret. For he is a, not a man that he should have no regret. See, God had a plan for Saul. He gave him chance after chance. But Saul did not listen. Saul did not listen to the warning lights. Saul did not listen to the GPS God had planned in his life. And then we see in 1 Chronicles 10, 13 through 14. So Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord so that he did not keep the command of the Lord. And also consulted Median, seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. Therefore the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. Saul mistakes cost him his life. This is the end, the worst end of the spectrum. Luckily, God does not make our mistakes cost our lives. We do have chance after chance, mistake after mistake. God still gives us a chance to get back on the right path. But maybe our life wouldn't be as great as it once was. The anointing of David was supposed to be on Saul. Like I said earlier, the entire, the entire king lineage was through David, at least in the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom got destroyed. But in the southern kingdom, all the way down to where Israel and the southern kingdom was a, a nation, they were all related to David. And then you follow the lineage all the way down to Jesus and the ultimate king of kings, the ultimate sacrifice was because of David. All the stories we tell of David could have been Saul. All the accolades that we give David were supposed to be Saul's. God had anointed him to do it. 
He was chosen by God to do everything, to have the entire nation be led by his family and ultimately have the sacrifice from his family. But since he decided to stray from the path and not listen to the guidance that God had placed in his life, it no longer was in his plan. You see, then there's, now we're going to go to the next ends of the spectrum. So we're now we're going to be more where most people are at. So we went through, hopefully no one was at the Saul's level of it, our mistakes cost us our lives or our future is forever eternally changed. So the next story we'll be going through is Jonah. Jonah was called by God. He was a messenger for God. He was a prophet for God. And so God called him to go to Nazareth and preach the gospel to them and save them and give them a message that would inherently save their entire city. See, Nineveh was about as worse as Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. But God wanted to give them a chance to turn from their wicked ways or in the VeggieTales, stop slapping people with fishes and make them good. And that was his plan. But Jonah was like, I can't go to Nineveh. And he was scared, and he ran the opposite direction. He got on a boat and kept sailing, 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 and he was running from God's call. He did not listen to God's guidance. So he got swallowed up by a whale and spit out, and finally he listened to God. Finally, at least he wasn't Saul and didn't keep listening, not listening to God, and he went on his way to Nineveh. And he preached in Nineveh. They all got saved. And it was best revival ever. And the city was saved for like five days. And then they all went back to being bad. And then God destroyed the city. And Jonah then was happy. It's like, ha ha, the city was destroyed. We still don't want to be like Jonah. We don't want to be happy for destruction. We don't want to be happy for that. We don't want God's call in our life. And it's like, I told you so, God. It was a waste of time. I told you. And God, God was not happy with them. And, but still, his calling was fulfilled, but it was not as optimal as we would want it. Another story that is now a bit more positive is the story of David. David made a lot of mistakes, but he did a lot of good. David, every single time he made a mistake, he turned his ways back to God. He listened to the prophets and said, David, you messed up. David, you got to repent. And even though David committed sins that should have had him killed, God spared him. And in the end of David's life, God said, you are most, my most loved, my most loved man. You're the man after my own heart. Because, not because he was perfect, but because every time he made a mistake, he turned back from his ways. But we all should strive for our last example. See, this is an example of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, they were, this was in the time of exile. And they were taken from their land and taken from their people. They were young. The best way to probably get their age, they were probably around Zane's and Grant's age. They were not my age. They were not older, older people. They were teenagers. And they refused to eat the king's food. 
they had pork. They did not believe in that. They, they were the only four people that we know of that refused to eat the king's food. And the king did not kill them. He was like, okay, we'll see how it goes. This is a test. If you guys do not prove to be stronger, smarter than the others, then you have to eat the king's food. But if you turn out to be better than them, we'll let you continue with your diet. So they went this for months and months and months. And instead of what they thought they would happen, the king thought would happen, they would be weaker. They turned out to be stronger. God had blessed them for their sacrifice. They never strayed from their ways. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the common story, they did not bow to the idol. Even though everyone else bowed, they decided not to bow. This time the king was angry. The king was furious with them. So he commanded them to be thrown into the furnace. But it was not an ordinary furnace. It was turned up ten times hotter than it normally was. And the people that threw him into the furnace, as soon as the door was open, they passed out and died from the heat of his furnace. But God sacrificed. God uh, believed in their sacrifice. God blessed their sacrifice. And because of what they did, they did not, their clothes didn't even get singed. They left that trial and was perfect on the other side because they followed God's guidance. And in the last story of Daniel, uh, when this is when he was older, and he was praying to God. He was the second in command. God had raised him up in fruit positions, and he was one of the top wise men for the king. God had blessed him because of all the sacrifice he did. But there was other wise men, as you guys might know the story, there was other wise men that were jealous. So they saw that he prayed every day without ceasing. And they knew the exact times he was praying. So they coerced the team, the king, and said, you know, you should have everyone pray to you. You're a truly great king. You should have people only pray for you. And if they don't, they get thrown in the lion's den. That was their plan. So they knew, and he sounded the decree. And David and Daniel, I mean, did not listen to the decree. He still prayed to God because that's what he was told to do since he was a young boy. And since his parents brought him up in those ways, he continued to pray day in, day out. The, but the wise men caught him, and he was thrown into the lion's den. But no harm was put on to him because he did what God had guided him to do. To the point of the king then threw the three wise men, or the wise men's, into the uh, lion pit, and as soon they didn't even touch the ground. That's how hungry the lions were. So, so as Morgan can come up, um, in conclusion, we have a great calling on our lives, all of us. In some of them may not be as big as others, but it every important integral part is needed, much like a clock. The big piece is not as is not more important than the small piece. They're all needed, every single piece, because the clock will not work. If God has called you to, has a plan on for your life, and God has a guidance for your life, and He wants to lead you to a greater good, it would not make sense for us to ignore it. When people have told you you need to go right and you go left, that is not 
right path. As many as us know, we all make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. I keep making mistakes, even though I'm like, I should know better, but I don't. I've been, up this my, I've been doing this my entire life, being in church, and I still make mistakes. Sometimes there's new converts that are even better than me because they have a drive and they want to do everything good. But God does not luckily treat us like Saul and our mistakes make our callings not reachable. But I had someone ask me once, Jared, if I make this mistake, what will happen? Why, why do I not feel like punished? I don't feel punished. Man, I keep making this mistake and I don't get punished. And I told them, a lot of times a punishment does not come. But you may find that you started down a path that God can no longer steer you down from. You walked and you have to deal with those consequences maybe years and years down the road. There are people that smoke day in and day out and nothing happens to them until they get trachea cancer and they have to put this tube down their throat and they have to breathe in through that. If they were told in their future, in the past that they would have that happen to them, they probably wouldn't smoke. But they didn't listen to the warnings that people gave to them when they said, don't smoke, it's not good for you. Oh, I'll be fine. It makes me feel good. That's what I want. So when people asked them, don't do it, they did it anyway. And in the end, they paid an ultimate price that made them not the same. As we all stand, the spectrum. Some hopefully are not as on the end of Saul, but we, we're somewhere in between. We're maybe like Jonah and we're fleeing from the God's guidance in our lives. Or we're like David and we're constantly making mistakes, but at least when we are confronted with our mistakes, we turn from our ways. But we all should continually strive to be like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We should constantly strive to perfection, to following God's perfect guidance. To every time you make a decision in your life, you don't ask someone else. You pray to God first. It could be a small decision, but you pray to God first. I know people that before they even buy clothes, they pray to God first. That might be a little extreme, but at least they have that concept in their mind. But I know people that have accepted jobs without praying, and they find out years down the road that they made a big mistake. If we constantly pray, if we constantly seek God's guidance in every aspect of our lives, we will find that we look back and God protected us from all that. We could see people straying down wrong paths and we did not follow them and we see where they end up. And we're like, you know what? I'm glad I listened to you, God. I'm glad I listened to your protection. I'm glad that I did not stray down their path and did not make a huge mistake. So these altars are open. If you need to recommit your guidance of your life to God. If you have strayed from God's path before it's too late, God can still put you back on the path without too much damage. But if you find yourself in turmoil and you find yourself in 
struggles and stress. And you realize the cause of it was because you strayed from God's guidance. This is the time to get your life straight back with God's plan. And God will lead you back out into his marvelous light. Reach down into the mud you may be in and pull you out. And he will make you straight in your way. Do not leave this place still in your crooked, crooked way. You have to leave this place going straight down God's path. Going straight down what God has planned for your life and for your future. Because you'll look at the end of your life and if you follow God's teachings, you will find that your life is way far greater than God than you could ever do for yourself. Because God has the ultimate So if this time now you need to commit your lives again as the praise team sings, do as you need.